Welcome to 20 Good Minutes. I'm your host, Zeeland. My guest today is... Uh, what it's the same. It's the same guest that we have every time on it's not this a guest. Well, I'm not a guest. <laughs> Am I? I feel like I've got a host. Like, I'm level of... <laughs> Starting with that. That's unbelievable. Hi, listeners. It's me, co-host. Just to know we're clear. Uh, ben. Hi, everyone. Hope you're well. Um, how, d- how bloody dare you? I was, head of oh, station. I was just, I was just going to see if you were going to let me pull that off, to be honest. No. No, I was going to stop it before it even ended, is what I was going to do. Clearly. Um, no, we're back with, with our bi-weekly podcast. Hey, it's better <laughs> it's than monthly. It's better than monthly. We're making progress. And then, of course, I'm about to go home for Thanksgiving, so it will stay bi-weekly until we hit December. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Well, well, you know what, listeners? Let's face it. You didn't even chat last week, did you? You know. So don't don't worry about it. But we're back again. Uh, lots has gone on in the football world, in the internet world, and it's in, so, it's, it's um, been in my it's been in my favorite part of the football world, the international window. Yeah, so, mm, yeah. So if you don't like that, this probably isn't the podcast for you. But what I will, what I will say is uh, we've got some strong opinions on some certain matters. So we have strong hooked. Yes, I I will. Here here's my strongest take: the worst qualifying process of any continent. Is Europe? Wow! I, I, if one. I could, I, I'm going to give a standing ovation, listeners. You can't capture. Yeah, I could not agree. Could not agree. I'll sit back down. Uh, I could not agree more. Could not agree more. It's not. It's not working, in my opinion. But people still do qualify. So in terms of the logistics, it is working. Uh, it but, does. But, it, it delivers qualification. It, it, it almost said qualificated. It delivers qualified <laughs> teams to the World Cup. But that's the, really the only thing I think that. That European qualification does right. I mean, every we're we're just going to dive into this. I was teasing this for later, but we're just going to go swan diving into European qualification, which you didn't notice. All the groups finished at, in the November window here, so yes. it's the only continent. And, and look, my my confederation is a mess. Concacaf is a disaster. Conmebol, which is South America, is an unmitigated disaster. Asia's actually pretty fine. Africa's usually a mess too, but you know what all of these continents can figure out? They can figure out how to make groups that are even. Yes. They can figure out how to do that. You know who can't? Europe. Why, Benjamin? No. Well, the problem we've got is there is this. there's two schools of thought. There is the school of thought that everyone should be able to compete against one another. There should be no favoritism. There should be no pre-qualifying. And if you are at Liechtenstein or a San Marino or Gibraltar, you've earned the right by qualifying through applying to UEFA, really, to face off against these bigger nations. And of course, they are big events in the in the yearly cycle of qualification when, when the big boys come to town. So there is that element of excitement building around those games. The bigger issue for me, and the stand, the, the stand that I have, is that the competitive element that exists in these competitions doesn't exist in these competitions. And so I'm not coming at it from... I, I'm just going to start with this because I think it's important to, to understand. I'm not coming at this from the England fan perspective. I'm coming at this from sort of the neutral fan perspective and the San Marino footballing perspective because of course this week we saw England win just 10-0 against San Marino and that does highlight the the differences in quality quite drastically and it's not in my eyes see it's not the best thing for anybody really and most of all San Marino 
it's look i i struggle with i don't want to tell san marino what they want i've never met someone from san marino i don't know what they want for all i know they could really enjoy sending out their local plumbers to get slaughtered by the english national team that could be really fun and i honestly can imagine that would be fun oh we gave it a good college try right they came to town we boosted our ticket sales whatever but what i'll also say is concacaf has a lot of san marinos okay concacaf has a boatload of san marinos we have the cayman islands we've got both the Virgin Islands. We've got a bunch of other islands that if I said, you probably would have never heard of. And those islands never play Mexico or the United States or Canada, apparently. And they never play those teams unless they earn it. And every once in a while, they earn it and it ends up being 5 nothing. But they've earned the right to be there. There's no way we can tell them they shouldn't be there. The issue with what you have in Europe is San Marino would probably lose to half of the teams I just mentioned in CONCACAF. Like, I think the Cayman Islands and San Marino would have a really rip-roaring tie. And San Marino just gets to step on the field against the, uh, the best teams. You're congesting the fixture schedule for no reason. England could play, and this is probably actually true, not their A team, not their B team, not their C team. If you made a Z team for England, like the 26th best collection of 25 players, England would win this game. I, I would probably agree. I, I think uh, seeing the level that San Marino play at, and to give you an idea, so people will quickly say, well, this exists. This is the Nations League. They have uh, League A, League B, League C, League D. Where we they have a Nations out some League these... too. We have a Nations yeah. League too, and it's it's great. But in qualifying, you just don't need to waste everybody's time with this. You don't. Yeah. So they have they have essentially sort of lesser nations that build up to then hopefully qualify for European Championships and things like this via the Nations League. You can qualify through those formats now. Gibraltar and Liechtenstein and San Marino are in D2. So there are two groups in League uh, D, uh, D1 and D2. San Marino didn't score a goal against Liechtenstein and Gibraltar. Got two nil-nils though. Like had games where they were somewhat competitive. The results for San Marino, again, they played four matches. They played each team twice. Um, They had a 2-0 defeat, a nil-nil, a nil-nil, and a 1-0 defeat. Now that, to me enable San Marino a building block to build from and something they can they can look at those games and think do you know what if we just do this if we just do that we can maybe best them at some point so Gibraltar now move up to League C uh, the Faroe Islands in the other D- D1 group move up to League C uh, Malta Latvia and Andorra the other side so of course all these teams as the teams I'm mentioning are put into World Cup qualifying against the best of the best and to give you an idea if you're not fully familiar with what San Marino did in the most recent qualifying uh, Andorra were in their group Andorra one of the one of the considered lesser sides as well um, I think that's where their goal came from but they, they played 10 matches they scored one goal and they conceded 46 goals without obviously getting no points if you're telling me that's the best system to improve San Marino and of course he's right like I don't want to tell San Marino what to do but you've got I think we have to look at this from a from a wider a wider berth at this point right Gibraltar similarly played 10 games didn't win scored four goals conceded 43 Moldova uh, got one draw so got a point this time but scored five goals conceded 30 got one point in their group and and the list kind of goes on Lithuania three points from eight games uh, Kazakhstan didn't win a game Belarus they won one game there are lots of teams at this at this lower base and Liechtenstein another one who got got a draw got like got one point scored two goals in 10 games this can't be good for them. And this, and so my overarching thought, Z, is that they should have a pre-qualifying, which allows them to build an identity and a philosophy that actually they can feed through all of their youth systems, right? One of the big examples 
in recent years to go on a bit of a, a monologue here, uh, which I, you know, once, once a podcast for you, once a uh, podcast, um, is, is Luxembourg. Now, Luxembourg were a few years ago one of these nations that were considered lesser nations. If you go 10 years back and look at their record of qualifying, they barely won a game. They'd get a draw here and there, but they weren't really winning. The big change they made, and this, this hasn't necessarily solved all of the problems in Luxembourg, but a few years ago, maybe a decade ago, they turned all of Luxembourg football professional. So it allowed the, these players to play at a, a regular basis for like, like okay money. Again, they're doing it professionally, right? They can do it as their main source of income. The problem you have with a lot of these semi-professional makeups, and of course, I'm, I'm, I'm coming at it from the island of England, uh, the UK, where the football is the culture here. It's the standard here. And there aren't a load of people in San Marino spare to play football professionally. But there needs to be something done at a higher level from UEFA, from FIFA, to allow these countries to have a more competitive game like, and a more competitive cycle in their footballing calendar to allow them to build. If you still need like show matches against England every year or against Spain or Germany to bring in like a source of revenue, then fine, let's do that. But let's do that non-competitively. Let's not do that in this World Cup qualifying. It should mean something. And games against San Marino for England and Poland and Albania and Hungary... They don't really mean that much. I'm, I'm gonna say. I mean, I'm gonna say something. Some people will hear this and they'll go, "There's, there's no way." I, to me, Concacaf qualifying is more entertaining than than European qualifying on a on a consistent basis. I'd agree. African qualifying is the same. South America's got it built in because there's like 11 countries in the whole continent, and all of them are pretty capable. But. You're, the matches that you play and in Asia does it well too. Uh, you want to talk about continents that have a ton of bad countries in them when it comes to playing the game, Asia, CONCACAF, Africa, and they do a really good job of filtering those teams out so that when you get to the latter stages of qualification, every match is intense. Maybe not so much in Africa because they still, they, they play with 10 groups. There's 40 countries in the second to last round of African qualifying, mm. but only the group winner gets out. There's no other spot. And so it's still, there's a lot of drama, a lot of drama on the final day. CONCACAF, there's only eight teams in the final stage. And so you get really intense matches, no matter who you're playing. The United States yeah. playing in Kingston, Jamaica is an intense match because the Jamaicans, while we are more talented than them, they're also not the British Virgin Islands, right? We're not playing in a bunch of groups where if you win your group against Antigua and Barbuda, you're going to the World Cup. And so I enjoy watching it more consistently than European qualifying. No, European qualifying also gets lucky sometimes where you have Switzerland and Italy on the final day or the second to last day, and that's the match that you want to watch. But I just think that when you see every other continent doing it a certain way to preserve better competition to preserve the drama and the the consistent strain and the nerves of this world cup qualifying system that you don't see in europe as much i it i, I don't know why europe hasn't changed it yet and i also think that you might be attacking this from the wrong direction here because if you're ever going to expect Liechtenstein and gibraltar and san marino to put a team on the field that's not going to lose to england by five that's a shock. Like Luxembourg has twice as many people as Iceland. 
All right, Luxembourg's got 630,000 people in it. You know I love to talk about population sizes. <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, that is enough people to make it to a World Cup. Honestly, we just saw Iceland, when they really prioritized the game and got a bunch of certified coaches, put a generation together that could go to the Euro quarterfinals, that could go to the World Cup, and could put together some amazing results. Gibraltar has 30,000 people. San Marino and Liechtenstein are right in that ballpark, too. That is 120th the size. Like, you're just not ever going to get a competitive team from that population. I don't care if you make every single player in the whole country a professional athlete. It's not going to happen. And so you just need to put them in a position where they can play for something. That That's that's what I would want. The British Virgin Islands and the U.S. Virgin Islands have a huge derby. And if the U.S. and Mexico played them, they would beat them by 10, 12 goals. But for those islands, when they go into qualifying and they play against the other Virgin Islands team, that's their big moment, right? And Liechtenstein playing against San Marino and Andorra and being able to beat them could be their big moment. You want, And I, I don't know, maybe they love playing these matches. And if they do love playing these matches, then my argument changes to what a waste of money. You know how much money it, send, it takes to send the English national team and all the players and all the food and all the staff to San oh, Marino yeah. to play a game that doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I, I get the point of you want to give these teams a chance. And I'm not saying take international football away from San Marino. Of course, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying provide a platform for them to actually improve. You said it a minute ago, right, with, with Iceland and with these other countries that they decided to invest in football. Well, how can San Marino legitimately spend resources that like, like why why would you pump money into this if you're if you're the San Marino FA or if you're FIFA or UEFA because you know what the result is at the end before you even start but if you can have a, a situation where one season San Marino have spent time working on what they've got and actually beat Liechtenstein and beat Gibraltar and be the side to go to, to, to League C and then compete at a slightly higher level like for me we've just had World Cup qualifying we've just set where these teams rank, basically, in, in, the, in the current world of football, right? There is no side, I don't think, that has finished third that is unexpected. Like, the top two of every group is pretty much what you'd think. So it's Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Italy, uh, France, Ukraine, Belgium, Wales, Denmark, Scotland, maybe, maybe Austria, slightly lower than you'd expect. Uh, Netherlands, Turkey had a close run with, with Norway as well. Uh, Croatia, Russia. None of these sides, England, Poland, and, and Germany as well, to sort of round it off. None of the, none of the nations that you wouldn't expect to qualify have qualified a lot of the nations you expect to qualify have qualified there is no system that, that is going to be designed that won't see the top teams qualify every time anyway like if people go yeah you're just saying this because england have had an easy group it's like england always qualify for the world cup this this always happens so you might as well have a situation where they're getting better match practice where the games that happen in a tier below for example right you mentioned Concacaf and all these other nations I'm looking through, they have a round one, a round two, a round three, sometimes a round four of the qualification uh, qualification process. We have the, every team is put into groups and then there's a playoff system between the teams that finish second and sometimes third. And that's it. Like there's nothing pre that and there absolutely should be. So we have the situation where San Marino have, have, have played 10 games. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure they really enjoy it. It sounds really patronizing. Like I'm sure they love playing against Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling, but earn it like is, is, is what's earn more it. important that like the, the day out against england or the progression of your national football like i don't, I don't know what you get more pride from I, I i understand the arguments against i'm sure those players have those memories forever but to me it's 
it's not competitive and yeah, it's not I, in the spirit of football at international level. It's not. It, it, what what it strikes me, there's going to be a counter argument to this, which uh, one is just because everybody else does it doesn't mean we should do it. That is a completely fair argument. But the reason everybody else does it is because generally speaking, you have to earn the right to be on the field with that team. Why do you love the FA Cup? Because some team from the seventh, like the seventh tier can get to the third round of the FA Cup and then all of a sudden they're playing Arsenal. But they didn't just show up to the FA Cup and get drawn against Arsenal. They <laughs> earned the right to be on that field. They got to the third round. They beat some teams they shouldn't have beat. And now they get to be on that field. Now, what a, a nation, like what CONCACAF does is eat, if you buy the rights to CONCACAF qualifying, right, you own the rights to broadcast all these previous rounds as well. And so I imagine you probably actually get, I don't know what the revenue sharing looks like, but if you had a playoff, let's say you take the worst 14 teams in Europe and you make them play a home and away to get into the group stage, right? And so you're able to just kind of yeah. cut off. I, I think it would be the worst 10 teams because there's five groups that have six teams and you need to basically get rid of five teams to have an equal number of teams in each group, which yeah. is also, that is just competitive fairness to have an equal number of teams in each group. And yeah. you, you could break this off into certain group stages or whatever, however you want to do it. You have this whole playoff system. And that playoff system is the inaugural bell ringing, uh, like the beginning of World Cup qualifying. And it's on TV everywhere and you get to watch it. For CONCACAF, it's like it's on the same streaming services. And so while the qualifying is going on, then you're going through on your streaming service and it says CONCACAF qualifying begins, you know, da, 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 and it's like Curacao playing uh, Trinidad and Tobago. But then you can tune in and it's this it's this they're raising the curtain on qualifying and you get to actually watch these teams. I think, look, they, in CONCACAF, this is what the islands wanted. And because I'm saying islands, it's generally, it's like Belize and all of the islands, except for Jamaica, that are typically in these earlier rounds. They wanted a lot, they, they wanted more competitiveness in the qualifying. And that's that's what they got. I don't know, these European microstates, maybe they make a lot of money from it. I don't know, but it, I think it helps make them better. I mean, I've watched Curacao get better over the course of this, and uh, Canada's obviously gotten a lot better. They were in the they they didn't make the hexagonal the last couple of times, but now they've given the opportunity to compete and build their momentum, and they were able to get to the last round, and now they're freaking top of the group. It's mm. I don't know if ever, anybody's ever going to be able to prove that they're right, but what I would say is that there is there is one surefire way to play against world class players if you are uh, you know you did that you don't have to earn essentially and it's be born in Liechtenstein or San Marino and decide that you want to play soccer right like that's the yeah. way that you earn your way onto that field and I think that a nation of 30,000 people just shouldn't be playing against a nation of 80 million people in World Cup qualifying unless they've done something to earn their right to be there yeah but I also don't think it's fair on them like I don't I don't see a great deal of national pride in getting beaten heavily by a side that you know you're going to be beaten heavily against. Like, but I do see a lot of national pride in finally beating Gibraltar, in finally having the opportunity to, to you know, do something against Liechtenstein. And at that point, you're going to have, like, find the top goal scorer in San Marino. You might actually have someone that ends up scoring sort of 50 goals over the course of a career. Do you know what? That, that's, that to me is like icon status. As much as, yes, the one player that scored against England in 1994 or whatever has, has maybe got that as well. This to me is far more valuable, and again, it enables you to build from the bottom. 
and actually become something. I'm sure people will listen to this. There'll be some people still thinking this is incredibly elitist, this conversation. And it's like, you, you, I'm just sick of these teams. But me personally, I would much rather watch a game versus Gibraltar and San Marino than England San Marino. Absolutely. Because I'd rather watch a game that is competitive over one that isn't. And the reality is, I'm, I'm having this conversation after England win 10. My, just remember, my team, my country, have won a football match 10-0. And my first thought at half time was, we have to change this system. And not for England. Again, England tend to qualify all the time anyway. They are one of the top 10 European nations all the time. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's not about England. It's about the teams at the bottom getting a fair chance and a fair crack at this to make something of themselves on the international stage. And right now... We're just, we're not there. And, and Z made a really good point. Like, we, we we don't really know if this works yet, but what we do know is this doesn't work because we've been watching it for 30 years and San Marino are still in the same position that they are. And the only sides that tend to grow up the national ladder are those that receive investment at like a higher level or get some elite coaching almost randomly, right? Which, which happened with Wales a little bit. Gary Speed changed the ideas at Wales in such a dramatic fashion that it then enabled them that springboard to move forward and this is never happening at these lesser nations so let's and when i say lesser nations i want people to be very clear i mean in a footballing sense and, and only a footballing sense like then they're, they're not producing oh i've been to Liechtenstein. i freaking love Liechtenstein. but also if you stand on a mountain at one <laughs> side of Liechtenstein, you can see the other side i'm it's just it's not a fair fight we, we, we've talked about it before well, and, and now, now it feels like we're having to, having to justify our, our disapproval of these lesser sides but gibraltar is one of my favorite places in the world being able to stand in an english colony look over at spain and africa is one of the best things i've ever done in my life so uh, yeah, I love Gibraltar. I'd live in Gibraltar, given the chance. See, but um, that wouldn't. Anyway, uh, it's a beautiful place. I'm sure the real estate's lo- insane. Yeah, it's very, very. Yeah, I've, that, we'll leave it for now. Um, maybe we'll retire there. Me, me and you, that'd be lovely. Just, just me and you. We'll leave everyone else. A little hole inside of the mountain. We'll be fine. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the rock. Actually, it's the rock of Gibraltar, but don't call uh, it a mountain. It is a mountain, it, or a, a mountain is just a really big rock. <laughs> Really? I mean, if you, if and, and I'm worried the listeners of this show don't learn anything, but, but <laughs> that's not the case this week. Um, so let's sort of, I want to like we've got in on Europe a little bit. Of course, as, as I sort of went through right. all the nations, the teams that have qualified have kind of qualified. Um, the only shock maybe that Portugal didn't top the group and Ronaldo looked a bit cross uh, throughout the group stages, which is Portu- no Portugal and Italy. Do you? So here, here's my question to you, and this is straight up, and it's putting you on the spot intentionally. Do you understand the European playoff system for the World Cup? Yeah, it's just not very good. Like, well, okay. Once again, yeah, but, it, but yeah, Italy, Italy and Portugal could end up playing each other for a spot at oh, the yeah. World Cup, and I don't think I've oh, ever yeah. rooted for something more. Yeah, and that'd be good because it'd be competitive, see, and that's why you want to see it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's a few nations there. I'm looking at you, Scotland. I'm looking at you, Wales, that could either get a little bit lucky or, yeah, that could be very difficult for you. But hopefully hopefully it's good. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's interesting to me that that's not seeded. Like, you're right. Like The fact they could play each other is kind of crazy. You well, think that would be seeded first, based on world rankings? The but. first round is seeded. The problem is there's two rounds, which means so like if you, this, so the first round is seeded. And then if you win the first round, then you have to win again. But you're just you get drawn against another random team that harder. won their match. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. It, what could happen is uh, Italy and Portugal are both seated. If they go out and win their match against uh, uh, Ukraine and Czech Republic, then they could end up getting drawn against each other in the final round, which would just be madness. Yeah. 
So, yeah, you're right. So I don't, I don't want to get people's hopes up. What Z is suggesting is very unlikely. It is, but it could, but it could happen. It could happen. And that, like, that's the, the enough for me. Of, I'm really excited. Yeah, about the that. chances of one of the like these one-off games, and again, like the top 50, 60 teams in Europe, the, the difference between them isn't that large. Hence, we're talking about the difference of the teams sort of that are ranked 100 or or less. Like that, that's kind of where we're we're coming at this. I want to talk. I, I can't believe I'm about to say this sentence on the podcast. I want to talk about Concacaf. Yes, I know. You actually, he, you might check this bingo off, I guess, before I did. I t and this sort of goes into what we were saying, really. I went into this this week. Do you know what's nice? Yeah, I've just realized. I've just caught myself talking and being able to just do it naturally without pain. Anyway, I've had a, I've had a rough month. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks, everybody. It's, it's been a great time. Um, no, I watched I watched a bit of the uh, the, the Jamaica-US uh, game and then the Canada-Mexico game. I don't know what I like more about that game. The build-up, the three-day build-up that I was sort of vaguely tracking or the actual game itself, uh, and then the joy of, of Canadian players. Um, let, shall we start with the US versus Jamaica in Kingston? Yeah, that look, the United States has been very inconsistent in qualifying. We started the window with a win over Mexico, and then we drew in Jamaica, and honestly probably should have lost. They scored a goal with like eight minutes left that was called back for a foul that I didn't, I just didn't think was a foul. I'm very happy oh, they that, called that's it the, back. that's the header? Yeah. Is, that, that is, I'm going to do a sweat. That is bull. <laughs> <laughs> like oh my the fact that didn't count is absolutely outrageous you you oh you cheats you don't have VAR do you no oh we don't have VAR so, for those who didn't see it it's what it's the classic situation two players jump and it's given for a push right on the on the defender yeah he said he had his the, hand on his shoulder and like held oh, him down and jumped off really yeah in the same way that you do for a family photo like it was so <laughs> not bad like oh, it awful. was it was uh when i saw that ball go in i was uh, my heart dropped and then all of a sudden i saw the jamaican players furious and i was like wait a oh. second i think we might have dodged a bullet here i i don't know why that was called back but uh, it it, it kind of evened out the shocker, though, because did you see the goal Mikel Antonio scored in the first half? He's got no right to be that good. I know he, play, I know he plays in the Premier League for West Ham, but oh, he scores a 25-yard screamer. Oh, it was, it, it, like, officially, according to the stat track, was 34 yards because of the angle. What? 34? Okay, well, that's a lot more than I thought. 34, that's a, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, it was. I would say I didn't see all the goals in, in qualifying, but I'm going to give that goal of the tie, uh, goal of the tie, goal of the weekend, or whatever. <laughs> that, yeah, was, that was really good. Oh, that was. And when he, when, the thing is, we bossed the whole match before that. But playing in Concacaf is. It's not, I'm never going to say it's a difficult place to qualify out of. I think a lot of European teams would be able to come to CONCACAF and qualify more comfortably, like a Poland or something. But it, what what is some, something to note is there is not the same standard of, uh, in Europe, in the vast majority of these countries, there are very, very nice national stadiums in which matches are played. And you do not have the same concerns that I think every other every other confederation deals with when it comes to field condition and the safety of your team and th things that in Europe just don't, they don't become as much of a story. When the United yeah. States plays away to Costa Rica and Honduras and we go into Central America, I mean, people are throwing eggs at the bus. They're like setting off the fire alarm in the hotel. I mean, there are, when we played at El Salvador, the entire field was surrounded by riot police to prevent something from happening, right? And you're playing inside yeah. a cage basically with those giant fences. And so it's a really intense 
environment. Jamaica doesn't let a ton of fans in the stands still because of COVID, but their field is so bad. And it is always so hard to go to Kingston and play because the field is just awful and Jamaica's a really physical team and it's just a grinder. And we ended up tying 1-1. And honestly, four points out of the window, I'll probably take that. Yeah. It used to be... that. It's funny you mentioned that, actually, because when you said... Uh, like you don't really get it in Europe. I thought you did 20 years ago, <laughs> like 20 years ago, it used to be quite bad. You'd go away, and sometimes the pitches you'd like be like, Oh, yeah, the cows on this the week before. Uh, she's yeah, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. And some of the pitches would tear up really badly. Um, whereas yeah, now it's a lot better. It's like it, every game England seemed to play is on a really good surface. I think there's a lot of national pride in that now as well. Like it became a, a thing across Europe, really. You don't, you don't find bad pitches very often but it was the first thing i noticed when i watched the uh, the jamaica us game is the ball just popping around <laughs> at <laughs> random watching watching us players think i'm about to go on an amazing dribble or watching like leon bailey do it for jamaica and he's like i'm gonna i'm about to like burn past this person and the ball just sort of like pops up and stops and it's like oh, okay i guess he's not doing it this time that seems to happen quite regularly jamaica's strategy of launching it up to those two and hoping they do something is great they're a fun team, man. They they are a fun team, and they are annoyingly good. They just pop up at random times. Uh, with Leon Bailey, Mikel Antonio, they have Kamar Roof, too. And the rest of their team yeah, is course. just, like, yeah. aggressively above average MLS players is the entire rest of their team. They have yeah, Andre, one or Andre two Blake players. Is, uh, keeper, yeah, right? their yeah, keeper is an MLS All-Star. They always have a good keeper. They had Donovan Ricketts for 20 years before that, and he was an MLS All-Star, too. I don't know how they're doing that. They, they barely use their domestic league, but they're a... They're a team that I think in 2026 is going to make the World Cup. When the U.S., Mexico, and Canada are out of qualifying, I can't imagine a team uh, other than Jamaica that would kind of take the reins at that point. Yeah, well, that, that'd be cool. I, also, for uh, for UK fans, I don't know if you're aware of this this footballer, so I'm going to mention him. But Ravel Morrison was on the bench for Jamaica. <laughs> he was. He came in. Which is, he came in. Yeah, he played. Game. He came on. So strange. So strange. Uh, yeah, I like the fact that him and Pulisic both making substitute appearances fantastic how how good are you like, like i know i'm looking at the league table at the moment and obviously we talk about the uh the us a fair amount canada's top in the group right now and we'll come to their game in a minute but so how like, you're, you're expected to qualify right because panama have got 14 points mexico have got 14 points you've got 15 and canada have got 16 it's very close at the top and those three the top three get automatic spots to the world cup and then there's a playoff i assume for the fourth place. Yeah, the four. if you finish in fourth, you go into the intercontinental playoff, which can be against South America, Oceania, or Asia. Obviously, oh. you just don't want to get South America in that situation. <laughs> if you get, yeah, New, Ze uh, yeah, if you get New Zealand, or, you know, I think Australia would be the... That's not an easy tie home and away. Yeah, right, right now, right, right now that team would play Peru, but I should say just below Peru are Chile and Uruguay, and they're two teams <laughs> you don't really want to face if you're finishing fourth. Is it, in it, the, hold uh, on, I do, I don't know. Uh, let me look up like World Cup, intercontinental playoff, like who is in the the 2022 ties if they've already been set. Um, oh, is it? Oh, is it already known who they would play, it, it or might, does it, it happen might, afterwards? It might be. It might be. I, I don't. Oh know. wow. Okay. So just to go through there, just because we're not going to go into detail with South uh, with South America, Brazil have already qualified. Argentina have already qualified. You have, have Ecuador on twenty three. They're pretty much that's like that's set, a, that's so. a surprise. So they're on twenty three. Yeah. So they're six points clear with yes. four matches left. So they're feeling yes. pretty good. So Ecuador in a good spot. Then you have Colombia on 17, Peru on 17 uh, points, this is. Uh, Chile on 16, Uruguay on 16, Bolivia on 15, Paraguay on, th Paraguay on 13, and then Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela, bottom of the group, still have seven points. Like, they've not been whipped 
at the bottom by any means. They've won a couple of games there. Um, so yeah, it's very close. Basically, there's one point between four sides battling for one automatic spot and one playoff spot. And it, it could, yeah, there could be... Well, I think what we're getting at here, actually, because of Ecuador, one of Colombia, Chile and Uruguay will not be at the World Cup, which I think most people would consider a surprise. Yes. And so it is actually a random draw. I feel like it used to be they locked the ties in, but for this... This is actually the last intercontinental playoff because the format's obviously going to change for 2026. They're yeah. just going to put the four teams in a pot and draw them. So one Asian team, the winner of Oceania, a CONCACAF team, and a South American team. You don't want to go to the playoff. The CONCACAF team lost the playoff uh, for the World Cup in 2018. It was on Duras. They lost to Australia like three to nothing in the home and away. Uh, wow. And uh, the South American team beat New Zealand like five to one. I think it was Uruguay. They got through. But yeah, South America is really interesting because everybody's within two points of each other and there's one automatic spot and one playoff spot up still up for grabs. But I, I think the, the I'm very nervous about qualification for the United States because it Should is be. it is so tight. But it's also I, I feel like that's what World Cup qualification should be like. We're not playing poorly. Uh, we have. Uh, you know, we've put together a good number of points. Like we just went out and beat Mexico at home, but that result in itself hasn't clinched our position, right? Because we still have to play away. To, we have to play away in Kingston. You're like, okay, we still have to play at the Azteca and play against Mexico again. Uh, we have to play away to Canada, which is going to be. Uh, well, we, we we have to play in what has now been dubbed the Ice Teca in <laughs> in Edmonton, <laughs> which good. is just outstanding. But that that's a good segue to the fact that Canada is actually top of the group, which I feel like if you weren't uh, paying attention to it in the same fervor that I was, or at least the lukewarm fervor that Ben was, it's probably a surprise that Canada is top of the group, but they have, they're the only team that hasn't lost. Yeah, I think everyone knows about a few of the players, right, in the, in the Canadian side. So you've got Jonathan David, you've got Alfonso Davis. There's a few others there as well, of course. Um, but the story, so the sto have you heard about the Mexican players trying to train? You must have heard about this story. I actually don't. I haven't heard this story. Are you? So I'm, oh, I thought you'd know. I thought you were going to carry this, this segment. Uh, so the Mexican players apparently turned up at a facility in Canada that they were hoping they were just going to be able to train at. Obviously, they, they arrived late at some stage. Um, and then they weren't allowed to play because there was some under nine girls football happening that had already been scheduled. So they were just told, no, you can't train on this pitch. And we're told to go away. And at the same time, it's getting colder and colder in Edmonton. By the way, I want to give—I don't know if any of the listeners to this show were at the uh, the Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton, but forty-four thousand two hundred people at Canada Mexico in about minus—I well, don't know what it was, minus ten or something. It's it was uh, ridiculous. Celsius. It, the wind chill approach minus twenty celsius but see that's un that's unreasonable uh and Me mexico of course not particularly cold country so i could assume the mexican players were somewhat surprised of course they're scattered across europe and and, and the world but yeah not not I i'll put it this way england wouldn't have liked it no even even england would have gone it's a bit chilly in it i'm not i'm not enjoying this <laughs> no, like, this is horrible the, the canadian well the thing is obviously every human being is cold in those conditions but alfonso davies grew up in edmonton like these guys oh, grew up, they grew up in this area. And so once that, and then the, the, watching that game and you watch this game too, they're playing in Edmonton, which is nowhere near water. It's like central, north, central Canada. It's the coldest big city they could have picked. And they totally picked it on purpose. And they're playing <laughs> in Edmonton. The, the stadium is packed with people wearing parkas. There's a snowbank around the field. And I just remember watching the match and I'm like, this is the world's game played the played the canadian way 
right? Like this is the way that Canada is supposed to be good at soccer, right? Like this is the way they're supposed to do it in the snow. And then when they scored, and this guy's a legend forever. I can't remember his name, but it's the left back for the Canadian team. Not Alfonso Lauren. Davies. He plays he plays wing. But he they score a goal, and this dude just does a swan dive into the snowbank. I mean, Canadians are insane. That's, that's great. That's what you want to see. I, I, was, I was hoping we'd, we'd bring this up. Celebrates. There's a massive pile of snow that's been cleared earlier that day. And rather than avoiding that, because you know it's already freezing, just dives head first. I mean, what could, <laughs> could not be better. Could not be better. I was hoping a snowball fight was about to break out. At the end of the game, they all sort of go over to where the snow area is to celebrate with the fans. A massive part of me is thinking, if you're not launching them at the fans, I mean, they're going to love being pelted by your snowballs. Like, come on, we have to see that happen. But yeah, it didn't that, that element didn't happen. So Canada ends up winning the game 2-1. to one. Mexico looks miserable the entire time. Canada looks like the better <laughs> team for about 70 minutes of the 90 minutes. Yeah. The crowd was... I mean, I didn't know how many people were there until Kyle Laren scored the first goal. And you, even though it was minus five Fahrenheit, I think, you just hear this <laughs> roar. It's like Laren scores the goal and it's ah! like the whole, like all of Canada just <laughs> exhaling because they realized that they were watching something. Uh, Canada's only been to the World Cup one time ever. And so this is such a, a big moment for them to try and to try and clinch that and shoot their top oh, of the group great. they've got six matches left to try and hold on to it yeah no it's, it's yeah it's absolutely fantastic the last time they qualified was 1986 so they're due their due a performance at the world cup at some point right that that'd be great uh the mexico mexico side had lozano had jimenez like it was it wasn't a bad side no, they, had everybody. Them. they just lost like it was a it was a strong side they just got beaten by a more comfortable team. <laughs> a more, yeah, no, I, I, was joking, I was joking. I was joking on stream that uh, Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David are going to jog out onto the field like, "Hot, oh, it's a little cold out here today, hey? Yeah, it's, uh, winter. <laughs> winter's already here. This is incredible. You know, they're just jogging it, it around been... in shorts and short sleeves. Like, oh yeah, this is a uh, this is a nice uh, nice November day." It would have been an absolute power move it had the Canadian national team called up Conor McDavid for this game. That would have been... Like, that's the only way it could have become better. For, for those unaware, Conor McDavid is the best uh, player in the NHL, uh, which is obviously the hockey. If he'd have come up... Like, he would be an amazing target man as well. Like, well I just that, feel like he'd be so good. This was the best tweet that I saw. Was... Uh... The Canadians, they, the Canadians did not win well. I will say that in defense no, they of any Mexico, smug. they did very not smug. win well. Uh, in their defense, and my hatred of the Mexican national team, of course, knows no bounds. I love the country, love the people, hate the national team. Uh, the <laughs> Mexico doesn't win well either. But Canada won, and then the players started waving to Mexico as they're walking off the field as icicles. It was just they turned into like this whole scuffle at the end of the game. But I saw somebody, <laughs> somebody tweeted it just generically in the direction of the Mexican national team and said, yeah, you know, sorry about the soccer game tonight. Uh, if you want to rematch, uh, we're we're going to the Hockey World Championships in a couple months, so you can show up there. <laughs> it's just like, oh, come on. Yeah, it yeah, seems seems unlikely. But no, yeah, so good. And so, I, I didn't really know quite how... I've got, I follow a few Canadian uh, fans on Twitter and what have you, but I didn't quite understand how passionate they were. But this game was... After like the disappointment I'd had of watching sort of the demolition of San Marino, this was... The, the, could not have been more opposite to, to what I was watching 
with England. And uh, yeah, the passion was unbelievable. So, so good to watch. And that is, you sort of said, it's the world's game. That is That to me is what football's all about. And um, it's set up beautifully for the last few games. We'll definitely talk Ugh. about this again uh, come March because oh, man, January, there's so many dude, interesting. It, the next we our next round of matches is in January. We play. Oh, is it January? Yeah. Me. I don't. I don't know why. Uh, it's probably because we have to play 14 <laughs> matches in a year. It's an insane schedule, so we'll have three matches in a week in January, and that's our <sighs> next. Uh, yeah, it, but Blimey. Concacaf is a very passionate backwater man. When you play, you play in the United States. Uh, well, we do the same sort of thing too. When we play Mexico, we go to like Ohio and play in Cincinnati to get as far away from the the Mexican border as possible, so that they have to go as far as possible. And it's cold, and we do the same thing to them, and they do the same thing to us with playing at the Azteca, which is two and a half thousand meters above sea level. I mean, it's just a it's a very edgy, stadiums packed sort of place, except for Kingston because they don't let fans in the stands anymore. It's a shame, but. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I just occurred to me, I looked how long we'd be recording for. I said at the start of this podcast, listeners, uh, if you don't like World Cup qualifying chat, you shouldn't listen. If you've got to this point, I commend you. Because uh, I feel like we covered it in detail there. Uh, so many great storylines to come then in, in qualifying. Of course, for Europe, it's done. And uh, right. a lot of sides already now have qualified for the World Cup. There's still plenty of spaces left to certify, though. But yeah, man, obviously the Europe, I say European's done. The group stage is done. They still have the uh, the additional qualifying section uh, to go through, but it's great. Uh, by the way, can I can I do it? Are, are we moving on from international football chat? Or have you got anything else you want to? No, Africa was Africa was really fun. There were uh, four matches in the last round of African qualifying, where if one more goal had been scored by like another team, Algeria could have been out. Nigeria could have oh. been out. They the, both Algeria drew against Burkina Faso, and if Burkina Faso had scored another goal, Algeria was done. Nigeria yeah. was playing Cape Verde; they drew as well. If Cape Verde had scored one more goal, Nigeria was out. That happened uh, I, y- yesterday. Yeah, you want you want these again. You want these tight situations to happen, right? This is what you kind of want to be the case. I'm looking through the teams that have uh, that have qualified. Uh, the winners of each fixture will go to the qualifiers. So they they have home and away uh, home and away ties. So there are what ten teams? Yeah, that have gone through. So it's five of Algeria, Tunisia, Nigeria, Cameroon, Mali, Egypt, Ghana, Senegal, Morocco, and DR Congo. So obviously there's a few favourites in there. Uh, they did expect to go through, but yeah, still a really good set of sides that are pretty familiar to World Cup. So I, I dare say nearly all of them have been to a World Cup before. Oh, so you know, none you, of them will be a massive surprise. And you just it's hard to notice this sort of thing when you're reading a long list. You know who's not there. Uh, the Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast is out already. Yeah, not there. Wow. They got knocked out See, by I Cameroon. No more African nations. They trying to, trying to <laughs> test me on the spot. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, uh, there. That's a, that's oh, a big deal. There was there were there were two other ones. There was Ghana and South Africa played, and all South Africa yeah. needed was a draw. And Ghana got one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. And then <laughs> South Africa had a goal disallowed for offside that went. They don't use VAR either. They're very concacaf about it. Uh, they, 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 on review, it looked he like he was kind of offside in real life. So I don't really blame the linesman, but he was onside. And so South Africa is actually protesting the result of the game to try and take Ghana's spot in the. Uh, in the playoff and then there was uh, and Benin you love your African country knowledge do you have you heard of Benin I've I've heard of the country especially as we did the flag quiz on stream about a year ago Uh, Uh, but yeah yeah, I'm aware of the country this is the this is your last piece of this is why you should pay attention to qualifying because then you can actually watch these matches and it's a really good time Benin was leading the group going into the final day against DR Congo and same as South Africa 
They played DR Congo, and all they needed was a draw. And then Benin would have been one of the last 10 teams to go. And didn't make it. No, DR Congo just... scored two second half goals and wiped them away. I just noticed that I, the Ivory Coast were uh, in the same group as Cameroon. Yes, so... it's savage. Africa is the third hardest place to qualify out of, in my opinion, yeah, than is... CONCACAF. That is tough. Yeah, South Africa is so close. Oh, blimey. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking through now. Absolute devastation. It's but, the, um, the, well, Ivory Coast was in pot too. They were like the 11th best team. In well, that's, the, that's, well, they had, that's the thing, isn't it? They sort of had their golden generation, right? They had Kolo and Yaratore. Drogba was part of that. Kolo, and they've all sort of retired in the last however long. And they're clearly not quite the force they once were. But um, yeah, still some still some notable players in the Ivory Coast team. Like, yeah, I was a little bit surprising. I mean, Nicholas Pepe is going to be disappointed. Give you an idea of the players, but yeah, apart from that, um, the star power they had is kind of what I mean. Isn't isn't there anymore? No. I say that the back line they've got is Willy Bolly, Aurier, uh Eric Bailly. Like it's not it's not bad. <laughs> like they're actually they should have qualified. See, is what I'm getting at. It's a should have. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're still still good enough to qualify. Uh, no, what was to come to? Um, as I see, are we now at this point? Yes, have, have that, that was my last tidbit of interesting World Cup qualifying information. Excellent. I just want to say thank you to the listeners. I got a lot of tweets from people saying they listen to the podcast. <laughs> yes, I want. Now, I don't want it to end there. I want. If you've got through the international qualifying section of the podcast, I want you to tweet me uh, just with the phrase, I made it, Ben. Or to Zealand, I made it Zealand. And that's yes. all I want. I want to know how many people got uh, through. If you're tweeting to, me, to I want point. you to tell. I want you to tweet me your favorite moment from World Cup qualifying so far. Maybe you heard about okay, it here. You, maybe you saw it somewhere else. I want you to tweet me your favorite moment from World Cup qualifying. Okay, and if you're doing that, I, I want pictures. I just want a picture of your favorite moment. If you've got to do a little bit of extra work, then feel free. Uh, any cold Mexican players, absolutely. Oh. So. Yeah, I've got plenty of plenty of those. But yeah, what a what a what a time. I can't believe how much I've enjoyed talking about CONCACAF with you. But really uh, you know my hot take if you're if you're a wagering individual, El Salvador is gonna be going to the World Cup in twenty twenty six. That rounds out your CONCACAF uh putting a bell. They've got speaking, a speaking of betting actually, I've uh, I've I've bet on football a few times in the last couple of years. I didn't I've never sports bet until like the last year or so and i started doing uh one pound accumulator one dollar accumulators on like 10 teams uh got close a couple of times never won i bet on the hockey twice this week see i won both times <laughs> i did i did like five team or 17 accumulate uh, 17 accumulators and i won back to back so all i know is we should start making this an nhl podcast because i quite hey, clearly know more about that than i do this you do uh, apparently you are a very nice uh, hockey fan and i'll tell you i got off the train the other day and I ran right into a mob of Rangers fans headed to Madison Square Garden when I was trying to get oh. home off the train. <laughs> oh, we've, 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 we're, uh, not that anyone cares. We're having a great season so far. It's like surprisingly good. So yeah, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. And I, we play. Um, oh, we play the network. So at the time of recording, we're recording on Thursday. We play the network game tonight with Lelujo and we're at the space. And then after that, the New York Rangers, my team, play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jack's team. Oh. So and we also play we, we also play each other in the network games tonight as well. So it's a it's a nice of Ben V Jack, which is exciting. Um should we talk about the network game briefly before we go? We we should. Uh for those that don't know, we're doing a network game where work the space, so Jack the both of us and some guy named Lelujo I'd never heard of uh, are all playing <laughs> a, a network game. We we've taken over four teams in the Premier League. I'm Wolves, and I honestly can't keep straight who's the other three. Okay, so unfortunately, Dad's here. Uh, I am Aston Villa, Jack is Leeds, and Kev is Everton. So it, we've picked four pretty close sides. We've already done one big stream of it. Of course, by the time this comes out, you've you've seen the second one, so we can make some predictions. Uh, you've got loads. You've basically been Newcastled 
and you've now got loads of money to spend having sold Connor Cody and Raul Jimenez. Right, I sold some dead weight and have been looking to to acquire acquire some players. Well, look, Newcastle offered a wow. boatload of money. They offered a boatload of money for Raul Jimenez and for Connor Cody. And based off the way I play football manager, I take that and invest it in talented young players to build the team. That and I bought Barack Yilmaz for like 300000 so that I could quickly replace Raul Jimenez without needing to. Uh, and then I can spend a little more time deciding whether I want like Sheshko or some other guys. It is interesting though. I've, I've gone from having whatever our starting transfer budget was, which was uh, 25 million pounds. I think it's like 33 million, $30 million dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it was something in dollars and it was a lot. And then I I've turned it into over a hundred million and we've been able to go out and try and make some signings after that. It's been, uh, it's been fun, but it also, because it moves at a pretty brisk pace in terms of, I can't sit there on one day for 20 minutes and just look at all my transfer options. Uh, you, I am definitely going to play a few matches at the start of the season without my full strength squad available yeah. to me. We have a, we have an interesting situation where for you, we're playing relatively quickly for Kev. We're playing incredibly slowly and for me and Jack, we're just kind of having a great time. So I don't really, I don't really care what happens. I, I enjoy annoying, annoying Kev and Jack as much as possible. I do too. Um, yes. I, did, I did, I don't know if you saw my thumbnail for the video, uh, but I made me and you look relatively normal. I put Kev in black and white as if that's the only picture we could find because it's, it's dated. And I basically put Jack just behind me and you very small. Um, <laughs> And as a result, like, okay, so the podcast listeners, you can, you can know this. So people, people are asking, why is Kevin black and white? And I'm just, I'm just not telling him. Uh, in Jack's, Kev won't listen to this, so we can definitely talk about it. Absolutely. Um, Jack is making Kev uh, in full color currently, but over the course of the series, will slowly fade out the contrast to black and white. <laughs> so by the end of the, by the end of the series, on his thumbnails, Kev will be in black and white. Uh, you didn't hit, do not tell Kev of this. I just want him to find out or notice over time. Uh, either way, we yeah we've got lovely pictures in our in in, in Jack's thumbnail. But yeah, it's, it's going to be really good fun. Uh, I I think it's going to be great. We did a, we did the athletic podcast uh, with with Ian McIntosh about football manager and talked about it a little bit. He seemed really keen for it, uh, describing it as the biggest network game ever. So if you're not watching it across YouTube channels or across across Twitch channels, uh, the vods will still be there forever. Uh, you should. This is a this is an appeal. So you, sh- you, you probably should. It, it's one of a it's a FOMO thing. Do you want to? Do you really want to not know what's going on in the biggest network game that's ever happened? Allegedly, <laughs> according to the media. You've summed it up. You've summed it up. Exactly. Uh, no, great. I th- I th- this has been a fantastic podcast. It has. I, I was able to drag you into the Concacaf mud, and you actually enjoyed it. No, I rolled around in it. I would say <laughs> in the snow, more like. All right, I am interested, and hopefully, uh, we'll you know we'll keep this bi-weekly train going. We're on a roll. Right, see you in three weeks, listeners. You've done that. You've done that. You've done that. Oh, that wasn't me, man.